I want to preach to you this morning out of the book of Lamentations, which is not a, a book of the Bible that is often preached out of. Um, if you've ever read that brief book, it's only about five or six chapters, and it's very poetic in nature. Um, most people believe that Jeremiah was the one that wrote that book, and probably so. He was probably the one that wrote the book, but we really don't know for sure. If you know anything about Jeremiah, if you've ever read the book of Jeremiah or ever done any sort of study on his life, you'll know that he's often referred to as the weeping prophet because he witnessed and he endured and he went through a lot of stuff in his life. He went through a lot of personal hardship. He witnessed Israel go through unbelievable hardships. All of this turmoil had saddened him. And this morning, with that in mind, I want to read a passage to you out of Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17. And I'm going to read through verse 26. The first portion that I'm going to read to you is pretty heavy. But when you get to the last portion, there's a turn, there's a twist in it, and you'll see what I'm talking about in just a moment. And this is what Jeremiah said. He said, my soul has been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And then I thought that my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison, I continually remember them and have become depressed. Verse 21, this is the transition. Yet, everybody say yet. yet. I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. There are, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to all those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the deliverance from the Lord. Jeremiah had just witnessed and endured something horrific. He had just experienced the devastation and the ransack of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. If there was anyone in the Bible that understood what it was to serve the Lord and love God, yet, yet go through unbelievable hardships, it was Jeremiah. In fact, if you know anything about his life, you'll understand that his very family even hated him. At times, they even plotted to give him over. They plotted to kill him. He was even beaten and he was thrown in prison for his message of repentance. He was attacked by a mob. He was even accused of treason. And he was thrown into prison more than once. After the Babylonians had ransacked Jerusalem and carried off many of the inhabitants and they had destroyed the temple and they had destroyed much of Jerusalem, the Babylonians let him stay in Jerusalem, but under a Babylonian governor. Tradition says that at the end of his life, that Jeremiah was actually carried off into Egypt uh, against his will, and he actually died in Egypt. And again, that's according to tradition. And it was in the middle of Jerusalem being attacked that he had penned 
these lamentations, these woes, these sorrows. And he also penned that famous text that I read to you just a, just a moment ago. And again, if there is anybody in the Bible that understands hardship, that understands trials, that understands oppositions, that understands difficulties, that understands the craziness of life when things don't make sense, it was absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, Jeremiah. Hard places and hard times come to us all. Whether you are a believer or an unbeliever in Jesus, hard times will come. And it is because of hard times that hope has got to stay alive. Here is one thing that I have learned about hardship. There is no prejudice with hardship. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old, whether you're married or you're unmarried. We all endure hardships, either directly or indirectly. And because hard times come to us all, you better have some hope. You better be able to maintain some hope in your life. You can't make it without it. Hope has to be a distinguishing factor of the believer in Christ. Hope has got to be a hallmark, a landmark, or it should be a landmark in the life of every believer. In fact, science will tell you that we can go roughly about 40 days without food. Science will also tell you that maybe you can go three to five days without water. They'll say that you can go somewhere around three to four minutes without air, but you have to have hope all the time. You can do without some of those things, but you have to have hope. In fact, the Bible points out that hope is the building block of faith. The scripture says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the result of the very things that you hope for, and the Bible says that it is the evidence of things not seen. So how does hope help us? Hope is what enables things to shine in your life when everything looks dark. Hope is a motivation. Hope is what energizes your life. Hope is what allows you to see light at the end of your tunnel. Hope allows you to believe when all evidence is gone. It helps to put an unexplainable joy in your life. It helps to adjust for all the obstacles that will come your way. It helps you to find answers to all of life's troubles. It helps you to smile when you don't think you can. Come on, somebody. It brings victories to your life whenever it seems like everything about you and going on around you is hopeless. You have to have hope. There's three verses I want to point out to you. Listen to what Job said in Job chapter 14 and verse 7. He said, For there is hope for a tree if it is cut down, that it will sprout again and that its tender shoots will not cease. Proverbs 24 and verse 16 says this, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Listen, you may be the righteous man. You might stumble, you might fall, but there's hope you're going to get up again. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 4 says this, But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Somebody say amen. I don't care who you are, if you have been knocked down, if you've been knocked down, if you've been cut out, if you've been attacked, if you've been overwhelmed, there is hope, not just hope in general, but hope in God. The only hope of this life is hope in God. If you've fallen, 
If you've messed up, if you've made mistakes, life is not over. God is a God of second chances and third chances and on and on and on. And the very fact that you have a heartbeat in your, in your heart today and air in your lungs tells you that there is still hope. There's hope for your family. There's hope for your health. Listen, parents, there's hope for your children. There's hope for your business. There is hope for your marriage. There's hope for your finances. You're not going to go under. Somebody say amen. amen. But when, when I'm talking about hope, I'm not just talking about some sort of a, you know, grasping at straws, wishing on a star type stuff. I'm not just talking about optimism. Now, I'm talking about a confident expectation and certainly in the God who you serve. Your hope is in the God who you serve. Can I tell you that my confidence is certain in God's ability to help me in my time of trouble? So I have an expectation that God will show up. That means when times are crazy, and they are. That means when things are uncertain, and they are. That means when things are questionable like they are now, I still have hope. God is certain. The word of God is certain. Somebody say amen. God doesn't change. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why I can have a solid hope today. Life might change, and it will. Circumstances might change, and they will. You might have a change of job. You might have, your situation might change. But if there's one thing that stays the same, it is God Almighty. In fact... In Hebrews, it puts it this way. It says that the kingdom of God that we have received shall not be shaken. Isn't that a powerful promise? When everything else around you in life is shaken, nothing is going to shake the kingdom of God. Everything else might change. Institutions might change. Governments might change. Culture might change. Come on, somebody. If you've been alive more than 20 years, you've seen it flip-flop multiple times in 20 years. Politicians and politics might, might change. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, it will not change. God never changes. He's never shaken. The Bible says this, that forever his word is established in heaven. Forever and ever and ever, the word of God is solid. It will not change. God is the one that wrote it. He does not change. When all of your life goes crazy, you come back to the center point, God Almighty. He is the thing that lasts and endures. Somebody praise the Lord in the house. I want to give you just a few quick points this morning. When it comes to your hope in the Lord, one of the things that you have to make sure of is that God is the object of your hope. God has to be the focus. He has to be the object of your hope. Psalm chapter 146 verse 5 says this, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is the Lord his God. Here's what I know about hopelessness. I've been there at times in my life. This is what I know about hopelessness. You get hopeless when you look around. You see, when you stand there and you look at all the stuff around you and you pay attention to all the stuff going on in your life, 
You give, you give attention to all the financial difficulties. Maybe that situation on the job. Maybe that situation in your marriage. Maybe that situation with your kids. You look around at all of the circumstances. It's easy to then cast your, your gaze down. Because the burden begins to fall on you. Well, here's my advice to you. Don't look down. Look up. Quit looking down. Start looking up. And don't just look up. Look way up. Stick your nose in the air, not because you're arrogant, but because you're looking for God to show up in your situation. Somebody say amen. amen. It's okay to admit that things are hard. That doesn't make you a person of doubt because there's trouble in life, that things don't look good, that things around for a lot of people are tough, that things look confusing, that things don't make sense. Let me just tell you, things are not going to go back to normal. I could preach on this for an hour. Things are not going to go back to normal. Things ain't going back to normal. We all want normal. We want to go back to pre-pandemic. We all want to go back to all this kind of stuff. It ain't going back to normal. Let me just stop and say, that's okay. God's still got it taken care of. He ain't shaken. God has never been afraid. God's never been without an answer. But the problem with looking around often means that you begin to look within. And you begin to measure the problem against your own ability. You'll try to figure out the answer to all of your troubles and how to win the battle in your own strength. you got to quit looking around and you got to start looking up. For the Bible says that your redemption draws near. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah did. When he was sitting there and he was getting down and getting depressed and he was looking around at all the destruction in Jerusalem... It, it, and any of us would be too. We would, we would be down. We would be disheartened. But there was something inside of him that Jeremiah, he finally got the answer. I just want to read this portion to you one more time. He said, yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Somebody say amen. For his mercies never end. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. Who is your portion is who you're going to put your hope in. He is good to those that wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the deliverance of the Lord. The psalmist knew what it was to be afraid, to be downcast to wonder what on earth is going on. He even says this about his own self. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Sometimes you got to speak to your soul. Sometimes you have to let your mind and your will and your emotions know that God is in charge. you got to ask yourself, why are you so downcast? Soul, why are you giving up? Instead, don't trust yourself to the situation. Hope in God and you'll come out of the end of it. Amen? It's okay to self-talk. It's okay to encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to be your own preacher. Some of you say, well, I ain't called to preach. You are. You better be. You better have a little bit of preach in you. You better have a little preach in you. You better know how to encourage you. You better know how to go back to the word a little bit and be able to dig some of that up and say, God, this is what your word says. This is how I feel, but I'm going to trust your word instead. 
Sometimes you have to allow that redeemed spirit in you to encourage and correct the mind, the will, and the emotions. You see, you have a body, you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions, and you have a spirit. And sometimes, even though you're redeemed and you're on your way to heaven, your spirit's redeemed, when you die and you're going to go be with the Lord, you're going to be in heaven, but sometimes your soul didn't get the memo. Sometimes your mind, your will, and your emotions didn't get the memo that things are all created new in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you've got to allow that spirit man in you to begin to correct your soul and set the record straight. Sometimes you have to allow your spirit to help you get up out of the pit of doubt. Sometimes you got to allow your spirit to get up from those feelings of defeat. Is this okay this morning? Anybody know what I'm talking about? These are confusing times. So you got to allow the Lord to be the center. The second thing is this. Sometimes hope can be misplaced. How many of you have ever misplaced something? Ain't that the most mis frustrating thing ever? Especially like when you're in a hurry. Many people have put hope in things, put hope in places, put hope in other people and institutions that never deserve such an honor. I want to say that again. People have put hope in things and places and people and in institutions that really never deserve such an honor. That's why your hopes get dashed. When you put your hope in something that's not going to last, that isn't real, that isn't true, that isn't stable, it's easy for your hopes to get dashed. I love what Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 points out. You need to hear this. You've heard this many times. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, many times we have heard this preached on talking about money, that, that mammon was the god of money or represented money, and there is definitely some truth in that, but it went beyond that. When you really begin to study that out and who mammon was, he was an ancient idol. He was a false god that people believed, get this, would number one, bring money, but that he would also bring a few other specific things, that he would bring peace, that he would bring identity, that he would bring security, that he would bring joy, that he would bring happiness. Basically, Mammon was saying, look, if you'll worship me, I will, I, I will bring you all of these things that that God of Israel says he'll bring. If you'll worship me, I will be the one to give you all of these things. He really can't do that. And you see, all of the lies of the enemy tell people that if you'll just worship me, that he will provide all of these things. In other words, this spirit of mammon wants to take the place of God in our lives. In other words, you say, what are you saying, Josh? We misplace our hope. We put it in something that it never belonged in. How many of you know money can take, be taken away from you that quick? How many of you know that stable job can be taken away from you that quick? How many of you know sickness can befall your family that quick? How many of you know things can be shaken? See, the enemy will lie to you and he'll try and give all these substitutes that if you'll put your hope in him, he'll bring all this peace, he'll bring all this joy, but only God satisfies. God is God. God is God and he will not play second place. God is God. He will not be second place in your life. Can I tell you that this spirit that I'm talking about, this looks like the spirit that's got a hold in America. This looks like the spirit that has... That, that the American public has, has put all of its hopes in, has put all of its dreams, it's, it's hedged all its, its bets on this particular idol. 
This nation has fallen prey to the lie that hope is found in possessions. It's fallen, that hope is found in possessions and power and positions and prestige. And I want to tell you, God is not against you being blessed. But he doesn't want your blessings to have you. And if he feels like your blessings have you, he's got a way of correcting that. Maybe that's why things are shaken up in our nation. Maybe. Could it be? Could it be why things are so shaken? Maybe why this economy is so up and down trying to get our attention where people put all their focus on the almighty dollar. Can I tell you, maybe that's why things are so shaken up. If your hope has been misplaced and your hope is in money, your hope is in influence, your hope is in title, your hope is in possessions, if it's in social status, if it's based on how many likes you get on Facebook or how many views of TikTok or all these things, all of those things are in danger of being taken away. Right now in our economy, we see people's investments being eat up by inflation. Over 60% of American families live paycheck to paycheck. They're being stretched. I mean, if your hope is in all of that stuff, all the money, then it's misplaced. The hope this world has to offer is fleeting and it's passing, but true hope is in the Lord. Listen to what Job had to say about it. You want to compare your circumstance to anybody, it's good just to go read a little bit of Job to put things in perspective. Jeremiah, or excuse me, Job chapter 31, verses 24 through 28. This is what Job had to say about it. He said, if I had made gold my hope or said to find gold that you are my confidence, if I have rejoiced because of my wealth was great and because my hand had gained much, if I had observed the sun when it shines or the moon moving in brightness so that my heart has been secretly enticed and my mouth has kissed my hand, this also would be iniquity deserving of judgment. For I would have denied God who is above. Basically what Job was saying is, is that look, yeah, I had it all. But if I had put my true affection and hope in all those things I had, God would have known about it and that would have been worthy of judgment. God is saying don't think that money and success is the measure of worth and of importance, but to put your hope in nothing more than an idol, you have to put your hope in God. So when you're going through tough times, you got to make sure that your hope is not in the things that you have, but in the God that you serve. That's worth repeating. When you're going through tough times, you got to make sure that your hope is not in the things you have, but in the God that you serve. Jobs get lost all the time. You could lose your job. Money can go. Health can go. Family members can turn on you. Houses can be repoed. But even Job and all of this stuff, he lost all those things. He never lost his hope. And here's what's so good. He actually got it back double in the end. As the old saying goes, Job got double for his trouble. Come on, somebody. Listen, some of you need to hear that the same God that blessed you once, he'll bless you again. The same God that blessed you once, he absolutely will bless you again. It's okay to hope again. It's okay to try and get up again. It's okay to praise God again. It's okay to believe in God again. And I'm not just talking about believe in God that you're going, when you die you're going to go to heaven one day, that Jesus is the only way. I'm talking about believe God for good stuff in the here and now. I want to bring my final point <clears throat> Some of y'all are shocked. 
My final point, and there's three subpoints to it. Did you like that? That's preacher. You see how a preacher twisted that on you? It's true. It ain't lying, but it's just a point with three subpoints. Your final point has three points, and it's this. Sometimes you got to remember, just as Jeremiah did. You see, whenever hard times come, you got to remember God's mercy. You got to remember His compassion, and you got to remember His faithfulness. I want to close with this point. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 18 says this, And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Why? Why was he feeling that way? Well, I gave you some of it a few minutes ago. Because here you have Jeremiah that grew up in the glory of Jerusalem, that, that, that grew up in the glory of Israel. He understood the presence of God. He understood the blessing of God. He understood how unbelievably blessed Israel was only for it to ultimately be destroyed and taken away from the Babylonians. He understood that the nation of Israel had come under judgment. But he was feeling this way because he, he had remembered the glory of Jerusalem, but only now everything was destroyed and gone. Its buildings and its streets were in ruins. Its people had been carried off. Many of its people had been pillaged and raped and murdered by the Babylonians. There was no more commerce. There was no more money. Everybody was living hand to mouth. There was, there was nothing there. There was no worship of God in the temple. No worship. This man who had hoped for the best but got the worst. Any amens? Hope for the best, but got the worst. His heart became weary. And some of you, you look around at your life and all you see is rubble. All you see is trouble. All you see is destruction and hardship. And if you're not careful, your hope is fading. And you'll begin to ask yourself, where is God in all of this? What can I do? Where can I go? Is there any real hope? Yes, there is. Because right in the middle of his hardships, right in the middle of his circumstances, Jeremiah did something that all of us have to do. He resuscitated himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Yet I call this to mind. Yet I call this to mind. Memory is so important. Memory is so important. You've got to have a long-term memory for the blessings of God in your life. One of the things that's so kind of weird and frustrating about the news cycle in our nation is, is that there will be all this drama, all these headlines on the news networks, and everybody gets sucked in, and we're watching it, and there'll be some other story that'll go on, and they'll flip the, 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 the news headlines onto something else, and we completely forgot this major story. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like the attention span, the memory span of, of America is so short. But for the believers, sometimes you've got to look way back. He remembered. He had an active remembrance. His situation had not changed, but he remembered some things. They were about to call the, the time of death on his hope. Just like a nurse and a doctor would go in and somebody's laid out on the gurney 
And it's got to, they look at the clock and two or three witnesses have got to be there and, and say the time of death. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of people that live that way. They feel like they're just going through life and they're just laid out on a gurney. All they're waiting on is for the, for the enemy or somebody to come along and call the time of death on their hope. But he remembered the goodness of God and his promises. So what did he do? What was the first thing that he remembered? He remembered God's mercy. Mm -mm -mm. You've heard it said <clears throat> that mercy is you not getting what you deserve. And grace is you getting what you don't deserve. Listen to what Jeremiah said. He said, because of his mercy, we are not consumed. Every one of us, if we'll be honest, is worthy to be consumed by the judgment and fury of God. We're worthy of that. We should be burned up by it. We should be eat up by it and consumed. And that's one thing that Jeremiah understood. He said, if it was not for his mercy, we would be eat up with the fury of God. He was saying, yes, things are bad. And it's okay to acknowledge when things are bad. But it could also be worse. I've told it behind this pulpit before and I'll tell it again. When Lily was born, she, about, we, well, on more than one occasion, we about lost her. Up in Children's Hospital for I think a total of a month or four or five weeks, I don't even remember exactly. I think it was four or five weeks she was in the hospital. And I remember she had to have all these surgeries on her face and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one time after she got out of the hospital, she was doing well. We had to go back up for a checkup like you often do several weeks after she got out. And me and Hannah and Lily, she was just a little baby and we went up to the doctor's uh, office. We went into the waiting room. And sometimes it's easy. You, you get weary. Am I the only one who gets weary sometimes? <clears throat> You know, you go up there and you're just, you're just tired from the fight. You're tired from the struggle. You know, you're just human being. You're weary. You won't be there for your child, but you're just, you're just tired. You're just physically worn out. If you're, not, if you're not careful, it's easy to get down in the moment. And I remember we went into the, the waiting room of this doctor's office and I was holding Lily. And this dad walked in. <clears throat> this dad walked in and he was carrying this girl, which I would, I don't know, I would estimate probably be five or six years old. And he had her in his arms and he went over by himself and he sat down in the chair close to me. And it was one of them things, you're not trying to be rude, disrespectful, but you know, it was, it, it, I'm just going to be honest, it was a sight. She was a sight. I'd never seen anything quite like her before. And this dad sat down and he was holding her and he was just cuddling her and caressing her. This girl, five or six years old, and she had, I, I don't even know what, what her issues were, but I remember, I remember sitting in the chair and I'm not much of a crier, but I cried right there in the doctor's office. Because as I looked over at this little girl, this dad was just holding her and just, you know, talking baby talk to her and just caressing her and loving on her. And her issues were extreme. Come on. Her issues were extreme. And I remember I was sitting there holding Lily and I thought, oh God, I thought, I, thought, I know what she's gone through is real and I know it's heavy and I know it's, it's real, but I thought it could be worse. And sometimes in order to get your hope 
back to where it needs to be is you just need a good dose of reality sometimes. Come on. And I remember I sat there and I admired that dad, how much he was just loving on her and caressing her. And it put things in perspective. It's not making light of the troubles and the hardships that you go through. But can I tell you, God's mercy was on us. And can I tell you, God's mercy is on you. You might feel like your back is up against the wall. You got nowhere to go that there is no answer. He is the God of all answers. Come on, somebody. Somebody stand to your feet all across this place. Would you right now begin to glorify Jesus? He's got the answer. He is the answer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can remain standing as the musicians come. I'm just going to fly through these subpoints very quickly. Won't take me long at all. Listen, you might be struck down, but you ain't destroyed. You might be persecuted, but you're not abandoned. You might feel forsaken, but you're not alone. You got to remember the Lord's compassion. You say, what is his compassion? It's his unfailing love in action. See, a lot of people will give compassion verbally. They'll they'll say all the nice things, all the niceties. They know what to say. But compassion is love in action. God puts feet to what he says. It's love that never fails. It's an empathy toward us. Empathy is where God has this heart towards you and he wants to alleviate your pain. God comes down and he wants to kind of remove the load. He has empathy to where he wants to alleviate the pain. His compassions never fail. His mercies never fail. He has a new batch of mercy every morning. God is looking for a reason, any reason. to show you compassion. God's not looking to bring judgment. He will. He will. But that's not his heart. That's not his heart. His heart's to be one of mercy and grace and compassion. And the third final thing I'll mention is this. You got to remember his mercy. You got to remember his compassion, but you also got to remember his faithfulness. Has God been faithful to anybody in the house? Faith deals with God's ability. Let me just tell you, he's able. Trust deals with God's commitment to his character. You can trust in the character and the quality of God. Faithfulness is the character of God. It is not what he does. It is part of who he is. God is faithful to us when we aren't faithful to him. Hallelujah. God isn't faithful to you because you're good. He's faithful to you because he's good. He's faithful to preserve. He's faithful to his promises. He is faithful to provide for you. He's faithful to protect you. He's faithful to his plans for your life. Let me, just, let me just stop and say, God still has a plan for people's lives. One, one caveat, one thing that I want to say, 
uh, you know, the, the times in which we live, everybody's like, man, things are winding down. Does God still have a plan for my life? You better believe he does. You were appointed and anointed for the time such as this. You're not here by mistake. He's got you here by design, by plan. This shaky economy that's weighing so heavy on everybody's minds, shaky finances, it hasn't changed God's plan for your life. This, sh this shaky, warped, weird, crazy culture that's going on all around us, that has not changed God's plan for your life. I'll even be so bold as to say your mistakes have not changed God's plan for your life. Your mistakes have not changed them. What has God promised you or what he has promised you, God looks to see to bring it to pass. You're not going down. Amen. You're not going down. You're not going to lose it all. God's not changed his mind about you. He's not stopped loving you. There is hope. With every head bowed and every eye closed, <clears throat> I'm going to invite you for just a moment. <clears throat> Start remembering some of you that are struggling, going through hard times, going through difficulties. We've all been there. None of us are immune to it. Start bringing back to remembrance God's mercy in your life. Start, start bringing back to remembrance His compassion in your life. Start bringing back to remembrance His faithfulness in your life. When you've not been faithful, God has been faithful. And for some of you that are in here right now, you're saying, Josh, I came in here and I didn't have a whole lot of hope. Maybe you're just kind of going through the religious ritual. You know, it's Sunday. We come to church. It's what we do. It's what the family does. We just go through the routine of it. But there wasn't really an attitude of hope. There wasn't really an expectation that God was going to meet you. If you're standing there and you're saying, Josh, I just about lost hope in some stuff. I want you to raise your hands. Come on, raise your hand. Thank you. Raise them high. Raise them high. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, raise them high. Hands are going up. Listen, if you're needing a dose of hope this morning, I want you to come. I want you to come. We want to pray for you. We've got time. Come on. Don't wait. Don't hold out. Ain't no need to be embarrassed. We've all been there. We've all needed it. I've needed it. I'm telling you, if you'll step out in obedience and you'll go, God's going to answer some prayers. Don't hold back. Don't be ashamed. Your obedience in this is crucial. Your obedience in this is crucial. Move. I feel this in my heart. Come on, don't wait. Don't wait. People are moving. People are moving. Come on. Gather around. Come on, come on, move. Move closer if you would, please. Come on, yeah. There we go. There we go. There we go. Hey, church, stretch your hands this way. Stretch your hands this way. Can I get some anointed prayer warriors? Come on. Can I get some anointed prayer warriors? Come on, let's gather around. Hope is not just an idea. Hope is not just wishing on a star. 
Hope is the embodiment of who God is. God is the God of hope. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can have comfort. You can be blessed in the midst of famine. You can be right in the middle of trial. You can be in the middle of the biggest, biggest sickness and illness of your life and say, we're going down. Things are flaming out. That is a lie from hell. That's a lie from hell. Come on, let's worship the Lord while we're praying with these. Come on, church. Let's take about five minutes, those of you that are in the seats. Let's war together. Let's war for these that are up here. They're in spiritual warfare.
情。